Welcome to another episode of the Bills Wire podcast. I'm your host, Rob Quinn, the managing editor of Bills Wire's uh, part of the NFL Network. I'm here with Kyle Salagi and Cole Shelton. You can find them on Twitter at Kyle Salagi or Cole Shelton 91. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to wrap up the Bills often, uh, offseason training activities, look ahead to training camp. Um, as always, we want to kind of make this an interactive thing. So we wanted to bring Cole on. In case you didn't know, Cole's a 17-year-old genius. Um, the kid writes for us. He writes for Browns Wire. He covers the Blue Jays and the Rap Toronto Raptors for um, SB Nation. Now, I started writing when I was 17 as well. Um, what made you decide to get into writing, Cole, before we get into all the Bills talk that people want to hear about? Oh, well, like, I've always loved sports. I've played, the, I've always played hockey as a kid from Canada. No. And then, like, I always wanted to do something within sports. And every kid's dream is to, like, play pro, but, like, I wasn't that good. So then I turned my attention to, like, writing and covering the sports. Okay. So you just you just kind of wetting your feet and seeing what you like, or is there you got a goal, or are you going to college for it, or is it just something that is a hobby for you right now? Yeah, I'm going to college next year for it, and uh, just like just outside of Toronto for it. Yeah, I mean your your work is awesome. When I when I got your resume and saw that you were 17, I was like, holy cow! I mean, this kid knows his stuff. You wrote for Buffalo Down too, I believe. I mean, your work is everywhere. You know what you're talking about. Um, part of a great staff. I'm glad to have you on. I just thought that people should know that Cole is putting out some awesome work for us, as is Kyle, um, as he will be throughout the offseason. So let's get started now. Um, Chrissy Freud was supposed to join us, but she had an unfortunate uh, discussion with Kevin Dyson to discuss the Music City Miracle the illegal forward pass that we all know was illegal. So she couldn't be with us today to talk about um, Tredavious White, one of her favorite players from LSU, a team that she covers for SB Nation as well. So throughout OTAs, all we heard was the Bills' new first-round cornerback, Tredavious White. Um, they traded down to the 27th pick. They got a first-round pick from the Chiefs. For next year as well, um, there's tweets from every practice of him uh, intercepting passes, playing great technique. He's a young, talented cornerback at LSU last year. He, he only gave up 26 catches on 61 targets. Um, I, th I believe his 61 per, uh, quarterback rating against was one of the top 10. Um, what are your thoughts on Tredavious White? Do you think that Kevon Seymour even has a chance at competing for that set, that job opposite Rob, Ronald Darby, or do you th think that it's uh, White's job to lose? Uh, I think it's White's job to lose. Um, I thought that ever since he was drafted, you know, uh, you know, usually when you draft a player in the first round, you kind of expect him to step in and start day one. And uh, what we've heard out of minicamp thus far, you know, he's – He's come with everything that's been advertised. He's been, you know, stepping it up in camp. Uh, Sean McDermott's praised him already for his character and ability, said that he already looks like a third-year pro. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think pretty much everyone thought that he was going to step in and start, and he's 
he's shown up thus far, so it looks pretty good that he'll be a he'll be starting along Ronald Darby next year. Yeah, and, and that's really something that the Bills needed to really turn around um, going into the 2017 season was their secondary. I mean, we saw them with that lack of communication over the last two years with Rex Ryan. Tredavious White is just a heady player. He's smart. He plays technique well. Um, he sticks in the hip pocket of the receiver. He knows how to read routes. He's going to jam guys at the line of scrimmage. He can play the zone covers that Coach McDermott likes to run. And the quote that I found the most interesting about him from Coach McDermott was, was he said the following, Really, I've had to sit back in my office and ask myself, why haven't I noticed Tredavious in terms of why am I not concerned about him, right? As a defensive coordinator, I was to the defense a lot at times. So I've been asking myself, is that because of that or is it because he just integrated himself so smoothly to the NFL and what we do? He's mature beyond his years, really. What we thought he was coming out of LSU, he's made plays on the football. He's shown up in that regard in a positive light. And when I look out there, I'm looking at a player that looks like a second or third year player at that point. So, I mean, those are some pretty high praise. That's some pretty high praise for a guy who's coming out of his first uh, mini camp as a rookie. But at the same time, it's got to give Bills fans optimism, especially after losing Stephon Gilmore, who's arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, whether you want to agree or disagree to the New York, uh, England Patriots, a division rival. So what are your thoughts on, on that, Cole? I mean, how do you think? I know it's early. What do you think? Well, like Kyle said, I think he's going to start opposite Darby. Like, he's looked really good from, like, all the reports that are coming out. And then Seymour, like, he was, he was like, better than everyone expected last year, but he's going to have to have, like, an unreal preseason to even have a shot at beating White, I think, for the starting job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're talk everyone loves him. He seems like a nice guy, but you're he's a six-round pick for a reason. Tredavious White was a first-round pick for a reason, and you're, you're talking about a guy who's going to play nickel, which actually takes us to our next topic, um, Mika Hyde. We should have had Rich Fan on here because our other staff writer, one of our favorite guys, because he is absolutely in love with Hyde, just versatility. Um, Sean McDermott, another trait that he loves. The guy plays strong safety, outside linebacker, defensive end. There's a funny quote he said the other day. He goes, he said in Big Nickel, which if you don't know what it is, the, um, an extra safety where he'll play in the box. He said, yeah, he just likes talking junk to the fat guys. So he kind of just relishes that role. Um, how do you see that secondary shaking out behind the corners now? Because they signed Jordan Poyer, but then behind Hyde, if he's playing in the box or or in the nickel or in man coverage, who do you see out, emerging out of that group of guys like Shamil Gary and um, guys like that? Uh, I think Poyer is actually in for a really big season. Um, I don't know why. I mean, last season before he got injured, he, uh, I think he was on pace for a, a career year. He had already pretty much matched his stats from his previous years in, you know, half the amount of games. But then he got injured and he was playing for the Browns. Sorry, Cole, but everybody knows the Browns were a great team last year. And, um, you know, right now the secondary as a whole is unproven. Uh, you know, Darby's really, as of right now, Darby's maybe the only starter that's uh, 
that was that started last year that's going to start again this year with White and Hyde and Poyer. But um, I think the second and he was benched last year. People don't bring that up also. So I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see. Right, and I think uh, I don't know. You know, a lot of people have issues with the secondary or concerned with it, but. I, I li- I've liked what I've seen thus far, especially with White sticking out and Hyde, uh, you know, and, he, you know, Hyde said that, I keep saying, you know, sorry guys, but Hyde has, uh, he signed here because of McDermott, and McDermott, you know, a defensive-minded coach, so I just, I like the secondary, that's all I'm going to say, I, I think the secondary, a lot of people have issues with it, but I think it's, I think it's in for a big year. Yeah, my only concern is that if he wants Hyde to play all these roles on defense, they're going to have to play a lot of cover one. And that is a lot of cover one and a lot of cover three. And Ronald Darby seemed to have the same issues that we saw with Leotis McKelvin last year. Um, he broke up a ton of passes in his rookie year, but he never was really to get able to get those interceptions and get his head around. And we, that, made fans despise Leotis McKelvin for years. I'm not saying he's the next Leotis McKelvin, but I'm but I am a little weary to have Jordan Poyer playing a single high safety role. Um especially when you're looking at the linebackers that the Bills have, which we're going to talk about soon as well with that really lack speed. So your last line of defense is Poyer. I know he was on a, on pace for a career year, but Time will tell. Like you said, um, you're you're not worried about it. I thought safety was one of the biggest needs going into the offseason. I am happy with um, the signing of Hyde. I'm just really interested to see how they're used once training camp and the preseason gets rolling. Anything from you, Cole, about Hyde's role or Poyer? I know you wrote for the Browns, so you might have a little more insight on Poyer than we do. Well, yeah, like, the guys from the Browns wire, they're, like, they're saying how, like, Poyer played a huge part in their defense and how they're going to, like, miss him this year. But then they, like, they also drafted Jabril Peppers to help that. But Poyer was, like, like Kyle said, he was on pace for a career year last season, so I think he should have a good year. But then, like, for Hyde, he can, like, he pretty much play, like, anywhere in the secondary, which is so huge for, uh, like, the Bills' defense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, we know that McDermott, he wants to move guys around. We see him move Shaq Thompson around. I don't know if you saw Eric Turner's podcast with uh, Lorenzo Alexander. It was awesome. You guys should definitely check it out on CoverOne.net or on YouTube. He actually had Lorenzo Alexander breaking down film of the Panthers' defense live. It was really neat to see how they use their switch and the underfronts and the different coverages they used to, um, to get these players in position. And I think that the biggest difference that we're going to see is that we've heard the players already grumbling about Rex Ryan um, not being able to get them in a position to succeed. Whereas Sean McDermott is saying, you know what, this is where you're, you're, this is what you're good at. This is what you're going to do. So time will tell, but safety still does concern me. And that's all I'll say about that. But now we have to, talk about the big news of the week, Jeremy Macklin, um, LaShawn McCoy, Tyrod Taylor, they couldn't get it done. What does it mean? Does it mean that the Bills are happy with 
Zay Jones, Sammy Watkins, who's running for his first routes since um, being injuring that foot. Andre Holmes is getting some pub. Um, I mean, Jerry Macklin, he signed a, what, two-year, $11 million deal with up to 14 in guarantees. I mean, in incentives. Yep, so the Bills now have about $11 million. Do you see them, that interest being real? Or do you see them being a little confident in who they have on the roster? Because obviously the coach is going to say, okay, yeah, we're always looking to make the team better. Um, but would you like to see the team go after a guy like Eric Decker, who's more proven as a slot receiver instead of running out with the with the rookies and, and injured Sammy Watkins and um, and Andre Holmes, who hasn't really done much throughout his career? Or do you think that they should roll with what they have? I'll, I'll let you go first, Cole. I think, like, they should definitely, like, gauge the interest in Decker, see what he wants, because, like, Sammy Watkins, you don't know if he'll stay healthy. Because then, say he gets hurt, do you really think Zay Jones and Andre Holmes are, yeah, like... Yeah, can you rely on them as your number yeah. one and two receiver? Yeah, yeah. so, I, like, adding, like, Eric Decker just adds that, like, in, like that security blanket, because he's a veteran, you know what you're going to get from him. Where, like, Jones a rookie, you don't really know. Holmes, like, he only had, like, like a, not even 200 yards receiving last year in Oakland. So, like, I think you sh like they should try to get another receiver. And I, I, I agree. I think Macklin would have been a great pickup. I, I think he's very similar to Zay Jones in, in, a, in a few ways, but I do think that a lot of people are selling Sammy Watkins short. He missed eight, eight games last year and three the year before, and he played all 16 in his rookie year. So people are acting like he's injury prone and all that, but the guy had a foot injury. Maybe the Bills didn't handle it the right way, but if he's running routes and he's healthy, there's not a lot of corners that can stop him. I mean, we saw him against the Texans. We see him smoke the Dolphins twice a year. I mean, that guy is a baller. And I just think people are really sleeping on him and just kind of writing him off especially being a contract year, I think that this is going to be a time where he's going to say, look, I'm a premier wide receiver. You got Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, everyone taking after me, getting all the love. I've been hurt. It's my time to shine. If I'm healthy, I'm going to do it. And this is my year. Um, and this offense, it's a West Coast offense, is going to get the ball to the guys in space, as Shady's been saying. I'm just excited to see this offense. And then there's battles everywhere across the offensive line as well. We saw um, Coach McDermott just open up a battle for right guard when John Miller was pro football focuses, I believe, most improved or one of the top most improved players from his rookie year to his second year. And Vlad Dukas was signed to uh, for peanuts, and now he's in the mix for it. So do you think that's coach speak competition or is that just a kick in the butt to John Miller to say, hey, get it up. It's your third year. It's time for you to get going and lead the league in rushing and for the third straight year. I think there's definitely a battle at uh, right guard just because of uh, the presence of one Deion Dawkins, who the team selected in yeah. the second round of this year's draft. Uh, and obviously they think he's talented. They think he has a lot of potential. They traded up to get him. Uh, so, um, Dawkins is definitely in the mix to start really anywhere on the line. Uh, so, at, for me, as long as Dawkins 
is in the mix, there's going to be a competition on the line. Yeah, and especially with Cordy Glenn out. I mean, he played left tackle for, I think, 40 or something games at Temple. So I'm not sure where this um, guard talk became, but it's almost like he's the Cordy Glenn of the 2017 draft. I mean, every Buddy Nix was telling everybody that uh, Cordy Glenn was a tackle, like Mike Mayock saying he's a guard or a right tackle. So I think it's a very similar situation. Um, McDermott's even talking about it, saying that uh, Dukas and Miller are in a heated battle. Oh, not not Miller. Uh, yeah, John Miller. The the Jordan Mills is playing his tail off in a competition with Dawkins, and now you've got another competition opened at right guard. So really, the whole offensive line. You've got your your left tackle, your left guard, your center set who are Pro Bowl caliber guys, then you've got these young guys that are coming up. I mean, the Bills the Bills can be a team to mess with this year, especially if they can get the run game going like they hope with guys like Mike Tolbert and Jonathan Williams if they can uh, replace that production from Gillisley. Yeah, and then like even that right tackle, say Mills wins it, there's still a chance that like Dawkins could slide to right guard if they think Mills and Dawkins are the best too. But like that line, that left side of the line is so good. You have like Glennon Incognito are Pro Bowl caliber, like you said, and just mm -hmm. like, and then you add the fullback, like like Demarco's one of the best blocking fullbacks in the league. Just to add him there too, like McCoy's just gonna run through like other teams. Yeah, and he's and he's a weapon out of the backfield too. I mean they. They're talk Shady's talking about how he's twenty he's gonna be twenty nine when the season starts and he sounds like a like a second year player ready to fight for a job. I mean, he seems pumped. He's in the locker room, he's doing his batting uh, home run battle or home run derby with the players, talking about how excited he is that he's finally getting to um, live in Buffalo and embrace the city and being an offense that fits him and watching tape of Arian Foster in that scheme and that those years that him and Steve Slayton were just dominating. So, I mean, if like you said, if even if that Dawkins does beat out Miller for that right guard job, even though I think that a lot of people would like to see Mills kick rocks, it, there could be a lot worse for the Bills. But, um, so, one of the more interesting stories that's not really getting talked about, Marcel Darius, the, the, he's been an enigma since he's been drafted. Um, he'll be 27 years old. We all know about his issues. He was suspended, uh, drove the car, had the drag racing incident with Jerry Hughes. He had the... Um, the rehab, then he didn't go to rehab, and all the off-the-field problems. But he seems that this offseason has really been a wake-up call. And new defensive uh, line coach Mike Waffle seems to be giving him that tough love that he needs. Um, I don't know if you've read any of Tyler Dunn, who used to write for the Buffalo News. He writes for Bleacher Report right now. He's one of the best in the business, in my opinion. But he wrote a story about him. 
and he lost his entire family. I mean, you, you're in tears reading the stuff that this guy went through, going through college, losing his grandmother, his high school coach, his father, his brother. Like, people don't realize that. And I think that it's hard for fans to really separate the jersey from the player. And But he's done everything that he's needed to do this offseason. He said there was an article um, about – by Robin Mundy on the Bills Mafia, and he was when he about, about his appearance on the John Murphy show, and he was asked if the new coaching staff was influential in helping him make the changes that and that he needs to realize that potential that we saw him do that we saw him in uh, the four three defense before, and he just said that the coaching staff had nothing to do with it. He was motivated by his desire, his family, and friends particularly Kyle Williams, who might be in his final last hoorah with the Bills this year. So um, going forward, what do you think of Darius, especially, I mean, we saw him go on the um, the the trip to Haiti and donate all that money. He's, he's really quiet about this stuff, too. I mean, the NFL Network had him on, but he was with, at the Boys and Girls Club donating um, – money to that donating food to the homeless shelters throughout the summer I, I i think he's grown up a lot a lot of people still don't trust him i mean he's one drug test away i believe from a season suspension but i think that he's a key player and that if he gets the right coaching and the right guidance that he's going to be a player that the bills are going to be relying on all year long what are your thoughts on him going forward and Kyle Williams' influence on that? Uh, like you said, uh, the question with Darius has never been talent. I mean, it's always been obvious that he's, you know, one of the most talented defensive tackles in the league. And he's, the question has been his personality, uh, whether he's committed to the game of football, really. And on that appearance on the John Murphy show, he said he's more committed to the game than he's ever been. Yeah, he said he was. He just wanted to get to camp, and he was in Zen mode when he got yes. there. He just wanted to hit somebody. It was awesome. He was in Kobe Bryant Zen mode. That's what he said. <laughs> so if uh, if we're getting a Darius who wants to play, who wants to, you know, play for his teammates, he said that he wants to play for his family and most importantly for himself. He wants to prove to himself that, you know, he's he wants to prove his worth, and that's. That's important. If you get a player with Darius's talent that actually wants to prove that he's he's one of the best, I mean, that's dangerous. Him, yeah. yeah. He and Williams, are. I think they're just going to tear it up this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he, he signed that huge contract, and I know you were disappointed last year. You probably felt, let, felt like he let down a lot of fans. I mean, he missed – the first four games of the season do that suspension said he was going to rehab. Then he was seen that night at encore with his sailors hat dancing and drinking. So obviously there were some issues that needed to be sorted out there. Um, the Pagulas obviously really get care about him. They've, um, I, I believe Kim Pagula said that she's backed him all the way and he's looked at her as almost like a mother figure. So if they can get that 2013, 2014 type of Darius back, where he was one gapping with with Kyle, it's gonna this is gonna be a scary front. Yeah, like even like Kyle said, like and you and you even like he's grown up a lot. It seems like, and that like one suspension away, I don't like 
I don't think many people are nervous as that, like, because I feel like he realizes what's at stake. Because if he's one suspension, like, he gets a year-long suspension, like, does do the Bills really keep him? Like, I feel like he, like, like, he might think, like, it might be, like, my career if I get another one. And then I think Rex Ryan's defense definitely had an effect on him because he was dropping back in some plays. And like mm-hmm. he should never, he should never be dropping back. He should all his only focus should be getting after the quarterback, and that's what he should. That's what he's probably gonna be doing in McDermott's defense. Well, which will help him out a lot. Same with Kyle Williams. Yeah, I mean Kyle Williams is gonna be playing that um that three technique in between the the shoulder of the guard and the tackle, like he always has thrived in. And Darius is gonna eat up those double teams at the one technique or the zero technique. Where he thrived. I mean, I did. I charted him. I believe it was 2015 when people were saying that he had a horrible year. I think he had like five and a half sacks, but he was double teamed on nearly like 70% of his snaps and of his pass rush snaps, and he still generated. I think it was like 40 something pressures. I have to go back and double check, but I'll do another post on that on Bill's Wire about the impact that he's going to have in the 4-3 and how he did that and how he fared in a similar scheme before. But I think that this is going to be a defense to be reckoned with. Um, I do. I am a little concerned with Adolphus Washington, not because he hasn't bought me my wings, but because he hasn't. we still haven't heard about him at all. Um, Jarrell Worthy is getting the snaps ahead of him. He's getting the praise. And I just I think that that's another loss and wasted pick for the Bills. I mean, you got a you got a nickel defensive tackle, in my opinion. Yeah, and like Adolphus Washington, I it seems like he's has been passed over, and like he's not no like Rex Ryan and like he Rex Ryan is the one that picked him. So it, like, yeah. McDermott has no ties to him. And, like, Worthy's passed him. And then, like, Ryan Davis, like, he might even pass him, too. So I think, like, Washington needs a big camp or he could be, like, risking not making the team this year. Yeah, I agree. And I just don't think he has the body type to hold up on the inside. I mean, he was a five-tech. He made his living as a nickel defensive tackle at Ohio State. And that we all know how, how talented that defense was. So it wasn't like he was just out there by himself. Second of all, he has legs that are probably as skinny as me, so I have multiple videos of him just getting washed out of plays, and I don't think that he could really hold up if you want a quality defensive tackle. Um, and like you said, he might have to make a transition to defensive end. Ryan Davis plays defensive end. He kicks inside a nickel, so where does he fit? Um, there's a lot of battles that are going on. Another one. Um the linebacker position. Gerald Hodges came in for a visit. Now he's running with the ones. He's at middle linebacker and outside linebacker. And Preston Brown and Reggie Ragland, who, if you put them side by side, probably look exactly the same. If you change their jersey, I'm not sure you would be able to tell the difference on who they are. So if you can't stop the run and you, you're having safeties that can't fill, where, where is the speed? You need to have that speed there at linebacker to fill. And that's my biggest concern going into training camp and how the rotation of the linebackers are going to be and why I'm so concerned about the safety position because of Mika Hyde, I feel, is going to be playing a lot of that dime safety role, dime linebacker role, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, uh, to me, linebacker is a bigger concern than uh, the secondary. But, you know, I like Hodges. I think he'll be a solid uh, outside, weak side guy. But I, I'd like to focus for a minute on the uh, middle linebacker position. I know, uh, I think Frazier said that there's a possibility that they're going to get uh, Brown and Ragland on the field, which is, you know, but, uh, um, you know, people are wondering who's going to start. Is it going to be Ragland or is it going to be Brown? And I like Preston Brown. I think he's played in every single game that he's been, he's played in every single game since being drafted. He only hasn't started two of them. Uh, and that's that was in his rookie season, so we start he started every game for the past two years. But I think Raglan's going to be the starter at middle linebacker because pretty much McDermott's already said as much. Uh, he said that he he sees Ragland in a Luke Keekley type role, which is yeah. that's that's Hello. high praise right there. <laughs> right. And th- before this is, you guys taking a preseason snap, he's Luke Keekley, but exactly. And this this was back in March, so granted things may have changed since then. But I mean, coming out of Alabama, Ragland was. You know, he was like, "Oh, this guy's going to be a good linebacker," and uh, you, I, I loved him. But then, yeah, but he's that throwback guy. I mean, I wrote so many articles on him. He was my number nine overall player, I think. When the Bills got him, I was ecstatic. I thought him and Preston Brown next to each other and Rex Ryan's three four was the greatest thing that the Bills could ask for. Then he tears his ACL, then Shaq Lawson goes down, and your defense is screwed. But like you said, Preston Brown. People are underselling him, I think, a lot at outside linebacker. I don't think that Lorenzo Alexander is going to be playing um, a thousand snaps. He's going to be that strong side linebacker. We saw under Mike Pettin and Jim Schwartz, um, Preston Brown graded as Pro Football Focus's number three ranked coverage linebacker, trailing former Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. Um, I have a post on that on the BillsMafia.com if you want to check that out from about like two years ago, just showing his coverage ability. I mean, he could run. He's a big boy. He's 255, but he can run. Um, I believe he had a sub seven second three cone. Um, he's not going to be a burner. He's not an Anthony Barr. He's not a Shaq Thompson, but he's good enough to run. He's good enough to play that hook curl zone. Um, they, the biggest issue that I, the Bills are going to have this year is who can cover the flat. Because we saw the Dolphins and the Patriots and the and was it the Giants last year? No, that was the year before. They just destroy them with those swing passes. And now you have guys like Gillisley, Rex Burkhead, Jay Ajayi and in the division. And that's their offense. So if you can't get to the outside and fill that gap, that D gap, it's over. And Ragland is a thumper. He can fill the A-gaps and blow up a fullback. But I'm more worried about can Hodges fight through the traffic from the will? Can Lorenzo Alexander set the edge? Where is Preston Brown going to be? It's a, There's a lot of stuff to, to keep an eye on. And I think that we're going to see a lot of different personnel groups this year, this season. Yeah, and then, like, touching on the middle linebacker, too, and you're saying speed, like, Brown was not a very fast linebacker. Raglan was like, he wasn't very fast either, but now he's coming off a torn ACL. And like, his speed might go down a bit. It might stay the same. Who knows? But like, that knee is still like, kind of scary. Like, no one really knows how like, fast like, he'll be after that ACL. So like, I, like, no way Brown and Raglan are going to stay on the field at the same time, too. Because like, you have 
already Lorenzo Alexander playing the other outside linebacker. And I think Gerald Hodge is going to be on the field a lot. So like it's going to be one of Brown or Ragland. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brown is, he's, I don't, I hate the term, but he's sneakily athletic. He ran a 4.79, but his 10 yard split was a 1.7. He ran a 7.13, uh, three cone, I'm looking, a 4.4 shuttle, a 34 inch, 34 and a half inch vert, and a 9.5 inch, inch uh, broad jump. Reggie Ragland, on the other hand, was very, very slow he had the the um the issues coming out with his aorta and then he ran a 472 which was even surprising but he wasn't explosive at all he can't he had a 31 and a half inch vert and i believe it was like a 10 10 6 i want to say or a 9 a 9 8 uh broad jump and a 428 shuttle so those aren't numbers that really say speed or change of direction so like you said, I think we're going to see a lot of Hodges. And if you watch, I'm, I'm telling you guys that it's an hour long, but watch the um, Eric Turner's video with Lorenzo Alexander. He explains a lot of the switches, the roles that, the, that, that Sean McDermott implemented on the defense. Um, this is the Bills wire, but I do like to give shout out where credit is due. Eric does great work, as do all of us here. Um, but I mean... It's interesting to see when the player who's actually in the scheme and knows the playbook is breaking it down and explaining it right to you. So um, I guess with that said, we'll go to your favorite battle of the summer, Cole, the punter battle. We got Colton Schmidt and Austin, Austin Recco, the undrafted free agent. Yeah. Like, it, that's, it, those- that's huge. That sounds huge. You wrote an article on it. It got got shared. It got it went a little viral. Do you think Colton Schmidt's in trouble? I do, like, because he didn't have a very good punting season last season, like last year. And if you look at Recco's stats at college, it, it wasn't much better than Schmidt. But he was handling the field goals too and the kickoffs. So mm. like, it does tire your leg out a bit. So like. And then the one, his first or second year, I think it was in college, when he was just the punter, he was averaging like an extra like eight yards of punt compared to his final year when he was doing all three. So I think like it'll be a good, like it's one competition no one's really talking about. And it's like special teams are huge, like because you can turn over the field like so quick if a bad right. punt happens. And, and we just, know the Bills are, care about that a lot. Yeah, and like. That's like that's why Dan Carpenter wasn't back. Like his kicking wasn't good. They're trying to like redo like all their special teams. It seems like to bring in guys that like because special teams are like it can just change the whole impact of a football game. Like one bad punt can put you defense now. Like they're already into field goal range, for example. Or like or like a exactly. bad or a bat like on the other side a bad return, and now you got like ninety yards to go to get a touchdown. Right. Exactly, and then you have Stephen Hauschka, who was signed. Um, so it seems like they're really focusing on guys who can chase down kicks because Lorenzo Alexander, now that he's the starting strong side linebacker, um, I don't think that we're going to see him playing that as much on special teams, no matter how much he loves it and takes pride in it. It just doesn't make logical sense. So having that field position battle 
is important and it's a huge part of the game that a lot of people don't pay attention to i mean a lot of people hated doug marone for it and i did too when you're punting from the 30 but if you're punting from your own 40 in a close game that if you get a punt inside the 20 or the 10 that's not a touchback you're in good position for a stop so i, I agree there Now we have our final thoughts and some questions from our loyal readers. Cardell Jones, have you heard his name other than when he threw that 68-yard pass at Ohio State? I don't think Sean McDermott's even really brought him up. He said there's open competition for every spot. We earn our spots in this roster, and that's something that's been addressed. He's talking about the quarterback, and it's going to be addressed again and again and again. I just believe in that. We all have to earn our spot, and I'm encouraged by the body of TJ, Nathan, Peterman, and Tyrod have put out there. No mention of Cardale Jones, another pick that is said to be a Doug Whaley pick. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because he said last year he wasn't ready to play. And a lot of people think that he was a developmental pro quarterback. Is there room for him on this roster? Uh, I, I think the coaching staff has actually said that they may carry four quarterbacks, but I think I think a lot of us are like, eh, probably not. No, so, through the preseason, you need four, but I um, yeah. right, but like into the yeah, I don't think they're going yeah. to. But if they're if they are going to cut one. Unfortunately, I think Cardale Jones is the odd man out just because, I mean, if Tyrod goes down and you cut TJ Yates, you have two guys who have Peterman, no NFL experience, and Jones, did he, he may have played in the final game last year, I don't even remember, uh, but if he, if he did play at all, it was very minimal, and he didn't do well. So, if, if we are going to cut a quarterback, unfortunately, I think it's Cardale Jones just because... You know, we have a new developmental quarterback in Nate Peterman who was a McDermott pick, and then you need a backup quarterback with some experience in TJ Yates who can step in should Tyrod go down. Even though Yates will play an entirely different game than Tyrod, it's just but you, I, you need the experience. I just don't see the, the you need the experience, the veteran, that's terrible. Like, we've seen him play. He won a playoff game, okay, or you got – started a playoff game or whatever I just, what does tj yates do other than bring a familiarity of the offense i just i would rather roll with a guy like cardell jones who has the tools maybe needs a little more time to learn the offense than go with a guy okay we know what he's he's limited he's enough he's not the strongest guy but he'll be another thad lewis type or ryan fitzpatrick that's my biggest concern is that they're just settling for a veteran, in my opinion. Right, yeah. I don't I don't want to cut Tyrod. Or I don't want to cut Cardale. I think Cardale has some serious upside, uh, should be give, should he be given proper development. But, you know, looking at the quarterback our quarterback death chart, I think he's the odd man out because like you or you know, to answer your question, what does experience bring like a a bad veteran with experience bring over a young guy with no experience? It's just being in the NFL huddle, being in the huddle during a game, having that experience, uh, you know, handling situations as they come at you in the league. Um, and I don't know. But uh, has does, he done that? Uh, uh, 
he's called plays, but I mean, I just, I'd rather go with the guy that I, that can sling it. We've seen him in, in limited action in the preseason. Given it was the pre end of a preseason game, but that drive against the Colts, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen TJ Yates do that. I don't think that TJ Yates is somebody that you'd cut a fourth round pick for from a year ago. I do understand the Nate Peterman love, and actually, I don't really, but I get it that he would be the next guy to probably do it or come up. But I don't know. I would. I still got faith in Cardale developing at least a little bit. Yeah, I, de I definitely see your argument, but I'm just thinking, I don't know. It's just odd man out for me would be Cardale just because I personally like that experience uh, should Tyrod go down because I wouldn't be comfortable putting in a, a younger quarterback to run, you know, an NFL offense. Even though, you know, there's arguments to be made, but yeah, per personally – that's just my. What do you opinion. think, Cole? You wanna you wanna break this argument up? Well, like T.J. Yates or Cardale Jones, who do you? Who do realistically, you if Tyrod's <laughs> out for a while, the chances of the Bills' playoffs are over, pretty exactly. much over. So, so why not roll with the young guys? But then on the other side, like you could say, well, do you think you could get Jones to agree to go on like the practice roster, or do you think so, a team would get him? Because then you have the chance if he goes on the practice roster, you still oh, keep been... all four. He, you don't think he would get claimed before TJ Yates? Jones, See, if, like, if they're on waivers, I, I don't know. Both I don't, got cut today. Who gets picked up first, in your opinion? Oh, Jones would get picked up yeah. first. So what's? I just don't see the argument of. I understand Kyle's opinion of having the veteran leadership, but I want the guy that maybe he's not ready, but in a year or two. He might be. I know the track record is, oh, the fourth-round pick, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to work out. He's a developmental guy, just like Nate Peterman. But even though everyone loves him, he's the next backup for a decade. But TJ Yates hasn't really done anything in his career to really make me say, okay, I'm confident if Tyrod Taylor chairs his ACL that the Bills have any chance going forward. So, I mean, Colin Kaepernick's available. Hey. I would let's ask Andy Benoit whether Doug Whaley would 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 uh, sign him. I, I think the best case scenario, if we just want to come to an agreement here, would be keep all four quarterbacks. Just just yeah. so if Tyrod does go down, they can make that decision, and we don't have to argue about it. <laughs> all right, so moving on before we get into an argument about T.J. Yates and Nathan Peterman again. Th thank God, Rich isn't here. He'd be banging the table for Nate. But, um, so, three veterans that are going to lose their job this offseason. I've picked Jordan Mills, the right tackle, to Deion Dawkins. Colton Schmidt, you talked me into him, Cole. We got a new punter, maybe a nice kickoff specialist as well. Say it killed two birds with one stone. And Preston Brown. I don't think he's going to play as much snaps this year. Yeah, yeah like... Oh, you can go, sir. All right. So, like, I had... Like, I agree with, like, Pre 
Preston Brown and Colton Schmidt. The other guy I have, it's another offensive line. I have John Miller. I think they might go with like the veteran in Vlad Dukas. Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys on Colton Schmidt. Uh, I think Austin Rico, Reco, whatever. I, I think, yeah, <laughs> I think he's gonna probably win the punter job. And when you ask uh, three vets to lose their job, I took it as who's gonna get cut. So yeah, uh, I took. I said Ramon Humber. Uh, uh. He's a. He did well on special teams last year, but we have a new uh, weak side linebacker, which is probably what he was going to be asked to play uh, in Gerald Hodges. So I could see uh, Humber getting cut, and then Brandon Tate, who uh, it wasn't a wasn't great at receiver last year. Uh, what he he was mainly a returner, and we got Tre'Davious White, who did that at LSU. Um, so Tate not a stellar receiver and if we have somebody who's going to take his job on uh in returning then i could see take it and cut as well even though we just re-signed both him and humber actually but i could see yeah, my biggest guys. thing is always why the bills love using their third and fourth string guys as their kick returners we saw like brandon tate and Walt Powell, who's suspended for four games now. I mean, look at the other teams. You got Des Bryant returning punts, Antonio Brown. Like, use your playmakers. Put Sammy back there. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. I mean, that's football. CJ Spiller was returning kicks. I mean, you draft the guy, you put him on the field for a reason. That's just my opinion. I'm probably going to get roasted for this if I was saying put Sammy back there. But, I mean... I think you put your playmakers in a position to make plays. And it's like you said with Tredavious White, that guy returned kicks and did a darn good job at it at LSU. So why not use him or one of the other speedy guys that they brought in, like Philly Brown or someone like that? The elusiveness, the guy that could break up, bust one open for 40, 50 yards and help that field position rather than your Brandon Tate, who's going to give you your 21 yards per return every time and not really bustling out i think you have one what two one or two returns that went for over 40 yards last year it wasn't much if, yeah yeah so i don't know that that's i guess i'm coming with the hot takes today but but uh so the next question what's the breakout player that we're going to hear throughout training camp kyle i'll let you start uh, I think Reggie Ragland, I think he's going to come in and, and show that he is the linebacker that he was hyped up to be. He's going to win that starting job. And uh, this is this is kind of a gimme, but I'm going to say it. Sammy Watkins, um, you know, we started participating in some 11-on-11 drills during minicamp, and McDermott uh, thinks that he'll be ready to go fully at some point during training camp. Uh, and, you know, the, the film we've seen coming out of, minicamp you know he's running routes he's actually doing very well kind of scared me a couple times you know with his sharp cuts it's like ooh, you know uh, yeah stay. you know be careful we're talking about calm down we were watching i think it was sal capaccio's tweet and we're like oh oh yeah watch this. calm down not too hard exactly but, like dude it's it's practice don't worry about it but yeah but he's stopping on a dime but i agree what about you cole who do you think is going to be the, the guy that really steals the show throughout training camp so I did have Zay Jones, but I'm going to switch it right now. Basically, <laughs> I think it's Shaq Lawson, Jerry Hughes. They oh, stole my guy that I was switching. They were definitely, like, in Rex Iron System, didn't really get to play. Like, in your interview with Alexa like Lorenzo Alexander, he said he was in for a big year. 
and now Lawson, like, I feel like he was definitely disappointed his rookie season. He's going to try to come out and, like, play, like, a lot, and he'll be, like, going after the quarterback, too. And my other guy is Kevon Seymour. I think, like, he knows he probably won't start, but he's going to try to do everything he can to get that starting job over White. Yeah, I can agree with that. And even if he doesn't start on the outside, I mean, that's what the, you're, you're playing nickel 70% of the time. So he's going to see his play. He's going to see his snaps. So I think there's a lot to look forward to with all of them. Um, I would just to piggyback off of your Shaq Lawson comment. I think Shaq is going to ball. I know Andy Benoit just said that he's a technician that has to win with technique, which I think thought all football players had to do, but we don't know that, I guess. So Sean McDermott was asked about, I'm sure he was asked, I'm, with Shaq Lawson, I'm sure you saw plenty of him on tape in that 3-4 scheme last year. He seemed a little bit out of place with his skill set. Do you feel the, like the 4-3, the way you've got him lined up, is this going to be a better fit for him all the way around? And he answered, going back to the 3-4, I have some experience with the 3-4. I know what I saw on tape, and I know what I saw in college from Shaq. Being at Clemson and me being at Carolina, we were pretty close and actually worked him out going through the draft process a year ago. I was familiar with who he was with his skill set and as a person. That said, as you all know, it's a transition. I like where he is. I like his skill set. Brandon Bean loved him coming out of college. I think Mike Waffle, the, who's the man, has done a phenomenal job. And I'm pleased with that unit overall up front in terms of what they've been able to do in terms of our philosophy, in terms of attacking the offense and winning up front. So this has a potential to be a scary unit if things go to plan. Um, Jerry Hughes back in with his and his wide nine, uh, Lawson, who could play anywhere from the three to the five to the seven, which is his most natural alignment. Um, then you got Darius and Kai Williams with Ryan Davis and Jarrell Worthy behind him as a rotation. I think this could be a scary defense that could really put some pressure on quarterbacks. Um, I was going to say Ronald Darby. Um, he seems like entering his third year, it seems like the guys really start to turn it up in their third year. He didn't have the year that a lot of people expected after his rookie season, but he seems cocky and not ready to give up his spot. He said that he was the veteran of the Bills uh, cornerback room, even though that was before Sharish Wright took his Uber there. But for a 24-year-old or 23, I believe he's 20, he'll turn 24 during the season. But I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. And I know that I said that he needs to work on his ball skills a little bit, but that's something that he acknowledged himself. And I think Jonathan Williams is another one to keep an eye on as well. Um, they have Patrick DeMarco and Mike Tolbert who have been getting a lot of work lately, but I think Jonathan Williams is finally healthy. We had him on the podcast to talk about his transition from um, South Carolina to being a rookie to losing his friend Mike Gillisley and, of course, his beef with Nelly. And he seems like he's on a mission and ready to go. He said it was the next man up. And I think that Jonathan Williams is going to be the guy to make some noise. I mean, if you look at the Bills' history, you got Carlos Williams had that breakout year, the fifth-round pick um, three years ago, Mike Gillisley last year. So why not Jonathan Williams behind Shady and make some noise again? 
Yeah, Williams is a guy that I agree. Uh, he's going to have a very solid training camp and a very solid year. He was very good at Arkansas, actually. And he, uh, you know, he dropped in the draft. But I think, as you said, history would suggest that he's in for a good year with, um, you know, Carlos Williams in the past and Gillisley. And he's just, if, if history is any indication, he's going to be very good this year. Yeah, and he's, I think he's a great fit for the scheme. Um, he did have that unfortunate Liz Frank injury, with, which is a difficult foot injury to come back from. But he was productive while splitting carries with Alex Collins. I think he's on the Seahawks now. I watched him in high school. He was Mr. Florida. That kid was a beast, and he split carries with him for, I believe, three years before he went and the, the Bills took him in the fifth. So I'm excited to see what he can do and just the creativity of Rick Dennison's offense with all these backs. I mean, we, we could see a, a wishbone offense for all we know with Tolbert and DeMarco and McCoy and Williams and every, this, they have a stable of backs, uh, tight ends, um, and some uh, wide receiver battle that'll be pretty interesting to watch as well. So to wrap things up, we'll take a quest. We'll take questions from our readers on Twitter. We have Zach Mass. He asks, "What is more likely, improvement or rebuild?" The biggest question on my mind. I just don't want to go eight and eight. Who wants to start with that? Uh, I'll I'll just say something quick, <laughs> and it's a really good question because nobody really knows the answer to it. Uh, I, I like what I've heard from McDermott thus far, and I think the players are buying into his philosophy, which is big uh, to have players that want to play for their coach. But as he said multiple times, it's a process. And, you know, we're not going to come out and be a 10-6 team this year. That's just the, that's just the uh, reality of it. And unfortunately, Zach, you said, I don't want to go 8-8, eight and eight, but that's honestly where I see us finishing this year is 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, so an improvement over last year. I think we went seven and nine last year, didn't we? It was. A, uh, yeah, yeah, seven and nine because Tyrod got pulled. We saw EJ Manuel's uh, last two yeah. raw. <laughs> but I mean, if you look at uh, the the just the Panthers before they went in their Super Bowl run, they were seven and nine, twelve and four, eight and eight, two and fourteen, six and ten. They got Cam Newton. They had where Cam Newton was drafted. They got they went two and ten, six and ten, seven and nine, twelve and four, seven, eight and one. Boom! Super Bowl fifteen and one, then back to six and ten. So while I hate to say another rebuild, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, it, the whole roster just coming up with the three players that could lose their jobs is hard because. They're all brand new players for the most part, unless you've proven that you're worthy of being around. So I think that the Bills have a good foundation and that they're rebuilding the way that they should through the draft, picking up draft picks. They're not giving out ridiculous contracts and they're in, and they're improving as well and rebuilding at the same time so it's hard but i do agree that it's going to be a six and ten or eight and eight year that people are going to be miserable and calling for heads but i think they're in this going in the right direction what about you cole 
Yeah, it's like I'm gonna say with you guys, like they are like rebuilding like through the draft, like you said, and like it's so hard in football to do like a complete rebuild. Like you need all like like you need so much time to do it, and like the way the Bills are doing it, like they're developing their young players, and then they're bringing guys over, and like they still have that core veterans that could lead them to the playoffs. So like. And then, like Kyle said, all the players are buying into like McDermott's system, which I think helps. But like, I do see like a seven and nine, eight and eight season. I think nine and seven would probably be like the best. Yeah, and then Marone walks in and or opts out again or whatever, something like that, and we're back to square one. But I mean, it's a tough schedule. They got the Panthers week two, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Bengals, the Bucks, the Raiders. The Chargers, the Chiefs, the Pats, the Colts, the Pats again. I mean, it, I just don't see them contending this season. I, maybe next year, but I don't think that you can install new schemes on both sides of the ball with brand new players for the most part and expect them to not, to one, pick it up immediately and two, execute at a high enough level against teams like that they're playing that have made the playoffs and are contenders in this division as well. Yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons why fans would be upset with a 7-9 a or an 8-8 eight, eight season is just because we haven't been to the playoffs in 17 years. So obviously they're getting a bit antsy. But if we go 8-8, eight and eight, I would be so happy. Because if, yeah. if we go out there with a new coach, a first-time head coach who's just you know been preaching this character-first attitude and we don't have a losing season, that gives me so much hope for the future that we are headed in the right direction, uh, you know, and that maybe next season we'll go 9-7, and seven, and then the season after that, 10-6, and 11-5, playoffs even. Uh, this so, season one, like, like the Panthers. Like, Dermot was the maybe. defensive coordinator. Just got to build the build at one step at a time. They got, yeah. the, they got the scouts in place. They got the front office set up. They got... They seem like they're headed in the right direction, but this year, Zach, I'm sorry. I don't think – I think you're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. I got one more question. So my family went on vacation to Europe. I wasn't invited. Well, I was invited, but as we know, training camp and every, the OTAs are coming up, so I had to didn't really want to be sitting on the steps of Barcelona typing articles. Um, so – See, Joe Gentai, Genitai asks, you didn't go on the family vacation. Is that a sign you expect the Bills to sign Gary Barnage or Jerry Bird in the next couple of days? I don't know how, what that has to do with the family vacation, but I think that they're in the market for a tight end. I think that Gary Barnage is wanted by the team. It might be a matter of someone getting hurt. We see Chris Gregg on Twitter all day asking for a job, but they need that compliment to Charles Clay that can really stretch the seam. I mean, Clay is a good tight end, but he's more of that move, H-back, hybrid guy. They don't have that big physical 6'6", 6'7", 250 pounder that can just run the seam and just beat linebackers and jump over safeties. Um, as far as Jarrett Bird. I don't think that he's anything that special. I know we reminisce about his time in Buffalo 
good and bad, but I think that that ship has sailed. He's he was cut for a reason. Um, I don't think it was just New Orleans that changed him, and but I do think that Gary Barnage is still very much in the question. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll just I'll just pretty much co-sign everything you said. I I I like I said I don't think secondaries as big of a need as other people make it out to be and while bird would be nice as you said he's kind of dipped off uh and barnage i mean we do need a tight end and barnage is a good tight end so uh but there's rumors that he's holding out for an offer uh for a place where he can start and i he may not start in buffalo uh he'd get he'd play he might with the with the two tight ends you never know exactly, i mean yeah. i was looking at the i was looking at the broncos and the texans and it was a link that Rich sent me, and they used two tight ends or an H-back on at least, I think it was 40% or something like that of their snaps. So he might not be a quote-unquote starter, but he'd certainly have a role, and he'd certainly be that red zone threat where he'd be able to put up the numbers that he has been. So I wouldn't rule it out. I would just think that that's something that would happen during camp. Yeah, you said too. Bit an injury came. Yeah, and then, like, you said, too, like, Bird's best days are behind them. Like, I don't see the fit there. But Barnage, like, it would help because, like, they're tight ends. You have Nick O'Leary as your backup, which isn't that it's good. disgusting. Go all about the U. So, like, they do need another tight end, even if that's bringing Chris Gregg back, who was, like, he was an okay backup, but, like, Barnage would be, like, a way better option, like, if they want to roll out two tight ends. Yeah, I, I think I liked Chris Gregg. I just think that they have their H back and they have two H backs really in O'Leary and Clay and they need that traditional wide tight end for the West Coast offense that Rick Dennison's installing. And I don't see a better fit than Gary Barnage for it that's on the open market right now. Because um, Clay, we saw him lined up in the backfield. He was he was one of the best blockers for pro football focus, but at the same time He's got knee knee concerns. Um, he doesn't have the uh, that ideal size of the tight end. He's kind of more like the Jordan Reed type, not athleticism wise, but the move uh, move him around, make create mismatches and all that type of stuff. So the Bills need a guy that could just you know get off the line, get down the field, and make those big uh, third down catches and red zone catches. And I think Barnage could do that. So, without anything else, anybody want to plug anything you got coming up or for the site? Um, I know Kyle's been doing amazing work. Cole just posted his, uh, oh, we're posting his three position battles to watch. Um, where can we find you guys on Twitter? And what do you guys have coming up for the site that our readers should know about? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at ColeShelton91. And like you said, the positional battles, it's actually four now. I added one. Yeah, okay. And you, you forgot the most important one. Yeah, that was just, I don't know what I was thinking. You forget <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. And Kyle, what about you? Where uh, can you, the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Selegi. Uh, as for what I have coming up with the Bills Wire, that'll just depend on any news that drops, really. Um, 
so yeah, just follow me there. Follow at the Bills Wire, and then you'll you'll see everything. Awesome. Again, I'm Rob Quinn. I'm your host, your managing editor of an awesome team. Again, uh, thanks to Chrissy Freud, Rich Fan, Robin Mundy, Cole Shelton, Kyle Salagi. You could follow me on Twitter at RobQuinn91 or the Bills Wire at the Bills Wire or follow us on Facebook at Bills Wire. Thanks.